Hello everyone and welcome back to the 343 Football Podcast. My name is Jaffa and I'm once again joined by Ali. Hi. Daud. Hello. And Qudama. Hello. How's everyone doing this week, lads? Not too bad. Not too bad. How are you? Yeah, not bad. To be honest, uh, missing Newcastle because the club action came uh, back after our Maradona special last week and still haven't seen my team thanks to the COVID outbreak. Uh, training ground is finally back open, so let's see hopefully that they can get their preparations in for the West Brom match. But yeah, aside from that, I'm doing okay. Is that not a good thing? You know, a week off from Bruce Bruce Ball. <laughs> nah, I'll <laughs> tell you what. Just Newcastle. It's We've just come out of lockdown and then <laughs> Newcastle go on and shut down. It's, it's, to be honest, it's the nature of a football fan. As much as I hate watching the games, as soon as you tell me that I can't watch my team play, I want it again. And even when the match is coming up, I still want to watch it. It's, it's a bit like that. Well, I go watch my team play, so I'm happy. Yeah, yeah I mean... All right, okay, Ali. <laughs> we will round up Nobody the scores for you. <laughs> well, you got to watch yours. Yeah, yeah I did. In it the was Premier a quite, quite nice win as well. The top six has taken, a, uh, you know, some similar shape, apart from Arsenal languishing down at the bottom, which we'll get into later. But, you know, Chelsea won, Liverpool won, Manchester City and Manchester United won, as well as Tottenham. So you're talking about as much as the frenetic start of the season always brings up these weird places like uh, Southampton, Southampton were on top for a bit. Um, you know, I think it's a bit more normality to the table already. Uh, we will get back into the English football discussion, but I thought we'd just start off by a quick mention of how Barcelona lost 2-1 to Cadiz and Barcelona at the moment are just three points off of the relegation zone. How bizarre does that sound? Yeah, it's a completely, it's a weird time in Barcelona because it's a club that's been surrounded in a lot of um, negativity recently. And even though they're doing really badly in the league, there's almost a sense of positivity around the club compared to where they were last season, even though their league position like doesn't really warrant it. You know, they're doing well in the Champions League, top of their group, I think. And if they beat uh, Juventus, they win it. And I, mm. like, I think people are happy with the progress they're seeing under Coleman, but at the same time, they are worried with where they I are. Don't, I, I kind of disagree with the sense of posi- positivity. I read yeah. that this was their worst league start to a season ever. It like, was, but at the same time, I think given that Coleman's new, you're not starting to see the you know the media like hound him or the fans like turn against him already. Mm. I feel like what they're seeing in terms of the changes with the way they're playing a more like you know throwback to where the fans want to see them play rather than that lethargic football they saw with Seti and, and Valverde so I think yeah they're unhappy of course the club like Barcelona will be but I feel like at the same time there's, so there's signs of progress there so they're happy that um, the results on there but the you think the way that they're playing it's going the right direction for now for now but like a club like Barcelona that will only you know take you so far Man, don't get me wrong they're not, they're not happy about it but he's I so lucky like, uh, Coleman because a lot of ma- uh, managers don't get afforded that they yeah. don't get afforded that and yeah no results are coming through but you know what we're playing alright football you know? no but they're doing well in the Champions League that's my point it's a weird like yeah. it's a juxtaposition yeah. I guess between their league form and their some, Champions League some form. teams are like that um, it's happened before Chelsea and Liverpool you know they weren't doing well in the league somehow they win the Champions League could this be bosses yeah probably not but who cares but I think there's a there's always a distinction to be made between Champions League group stage performance versus knockouts and I think Barcelona like being so comfortable in the group stage is nothing new to them and it's nothing to placate the fans yes I agree that Coman isn't there's no like toxicity around him yet Yeah. but I think especially with that massive cloud of Messi still being unhappy and clearly wanting to leave and his body language under question. I can't. I can't imagine that there's any satisfaction whatsoever for Barcelona fans at the moment. Really, I thought it was toxicity straight away because of um, how he put his um, foot down with how Messi. Uh, if he want, if he didn't want to be at the club, he wouldn't play, um, and all that um, uh, hoo ha around it. Um, I mean, some of the some of the 
lineup uh, formation, like the lineups he's got out, um, have been very questionable as well. But yeah, fair, fair enough. Um, I mean, Martin Brathwaite is a rejuvenated yeah. player. Uh, they, were, they, were, they were looking really good. <laughs> if that's anything. Yeah, they were looking really good again up until that game against Cadiz. Um, you know, Braithwaite was looking like he was finally finding a spot in the team. Griezmann as well, but. Cadiz did beat Real Madrid as well, so they're not like uh, yeah, they're yeah, not they're just relegation fodder, are they? They're in fifth no, place no. at the moment, and they've mastered the art of the low possession and you know still winning games, which smash and grab. Yeah, it's beautiful. So I think, Steve Bruce effect, yeah. Well, well, I haven't seen Steve Bruce in fifth. <laughs> if that happens, then I'll, I'll revisit that discussion. No, but the smash and grab, that's what I mean. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, Steve Bruce is definitely. But Steve Bruce is the master of the smash and grab one week, and then looking like the worst team in the universe the next week. So. I don't know, but. Madrid to Barca, they just got arse up and side to side. That's all that matters, really. It's a weird year for <laughs> La Liga, isn't it? Like the the two biggest clubs are not performing half as good as they should be, especially with the teams they've got. Yeah, Actually, yeah. I think Cadiz beat Bilbao as well. They were talking about the you they know did, yeah. the so-called yeah. three teams which haven't been relegated. You know, credit to them. No, yeah, definitely. It'll be interesting to see where they end up and how Barcelona bounce back, especially with the game against uh, Juventus tonight. Yeah, it definitely will be interesting to watch. Now, just a quick word in Germany, where Leipzig and Bayern played out a fantastic 3-3 draw over the weekend. Currently, the table reads as 10 games played, and you've got Bayern top on 23 points, Leverkusen second on 22, Leipzig third on 21, and then Dortmund fourth on 19. And that does seem like a typical Bundesliga top four at this stage, but is anyone thinking that Leipzig, as unfashionable and unpopular as they are for obvious reasons, can they actually win the league, or is Bayern... You know, th- there's no point in even talking about Bayern not winning it. Bayern's too strong. Bayern's too strong, but eventually they'll fall off. It always happens. But the way the Leipzig, Leipzig was playing, it was amazing. Like, I'm not going to lie. If it, if you cut it at 75 minutes, Leipzig were amazing. But then I think if if the game went on any further, Bayern were like just chipping away at that high press, um, high energetic uh, uh, way that Leipzig play football. It just tires you out. And by the time you're 80, 90 minutes... You're, you're, you're going to end up leaking a goal or two and I think that's the difference whereas Bayern were very calculated in the way that they did it um, I mean 3-3 three, three, uh, I think it was a fair fair um, score both teams played great yeah. I, th- yeah, I think Bayern is probably the worst team to be playing right now to keep eliting against them mm. they've just got a certain mentality about them never yes. ne- never say die and I think like Doubt says that game you know as good as Leipzig were and as class as they played if that game went on for an extra thirty minutes, that Bayern definitely would have got the 100%. winner. Because honestly, I've never like I watched uh, a bit of the game and then went back and watched the extended highlights. And this, I don't know, man, that team just doesn't panic when they go down. They went down uh, twice in that game and came back within minutes. So, you know, credit to them. I think they'll be the last team in that monopoly of uh, league winners: Juventus, PSG, and in Bayern to, to lose their crown. Yeah. I mean, there is one thing I've noticed about Bayern though, and I think it'll uh, kind of come to mind when you see the latest stages of the Champions League. I feel like they're very vulnerable defensively, aren't they? They've got the whole high line thing. And last year when they played Lyon, Lyon had a number of chances before Bayern eventually got through. And I think that possibly, you know, sustaining world-class form is really difficult. And I think Bayern's defensive frailties may come to show in the Champions League knockouts. If they meet a side as potent as a Liverpool, for example, you could see that happen. Or even a Manchester City. Uh, if they get their act together in an attacking sense, uh, you know, when the knockout stage comes around. So, um, for Leipzig, and as as you guys, I agree with you, that I don't think that Bayern's title is really under threat, but uh, in terms of their long-term, maybe their defensive frailties that they showed in that 3-3 draw could come back to bite them. Yeah. I hope so, man. I, I like seeing uh, different league winners, and yeah. I hope there's a change in, in Europe. I do as well. Spices up. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, and then just to touch base back in England, uh, this is a match that I watched with keen interest. It was the... North London derby 
the very experienced and shrewd Jose Mourinho against the relatively inexperienced Mikel Arteta. And to see Mourinho walk out 2-0 winner, and I feel like the game the game panned out exactly as he would have wanted. It's no surprise to anyone, isn't it, that the tactical masterclass of Mourinho outshone the, you know, you'd say youthful energy, but relative inexperience of Arteta in the end. Yeah, well, what did Mikel Arteta and Pep Guardiola have in common? They both lost against Mourinho. They call this guy a dinosaur. How's he a dinosaur when he's doing amazing with a Tottenham side? This is Tottenham Hotspur we're talking about. We're not talking about Manchester United or Liverpool or Arsenal, which will then be the third greatest team in England. We're talking about fucking Tottenham Hotspur. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, he's yeah. doing a great job. Um, what did you make of the game? Did you feel like uh, Oteta was a bit out of, uh, you know, out of his mind to praise his, well, p- praise his team? The, the, what I found a bit interesting about this one is that Arteta has been cultivating a style of patience and possession and, possession safety, football, and yes. safety first in recent weeks. So Arsenal haven't been a front-foot creative side. Now, all of a sudden, they come to White Hart Lane or the Tottenham Spurs Stadium, whatever it's called, and now they decide to kind of shift focus. They want to take the initiative. They want to drive at Tottenham and they want to you know, attack. This is, the, by the way, just to let you guys know, Arsenal have created the least chances in the league, which is almost... An, like. If you imagine uh, Wenger's Arsenal for a second, you would never hear that stat about mm-hmm. that team. Impossible. So I found their approach really odd in the sense that you know what Mourinho's like. Why don't you kind of try and give them a bit of the ball and see if the game can kind of be played yeah. in the middle a bit I instead of just attacking them and exposing yourself on the counter? I was thinking, did Arteta make his players have the ball or did Mourinho just let them? You well, know, that's what I'm thinking. Well, I, I think Arteta should have been doing what he did last season and actually played Mourinho ball, which he did. Um, for the games against Liverpool where he won two nil, um, he there was only two one get it right. Uh, sorry, no, no, t- uh, away two nil three. So three shots was it two one? No, it's two one definitely. Okay. I remember Mane so scored he, the first goal. He they only had three shots on uh, um, at Liverpool's goal, but they faced twenty four shots and had thirty one possession. Man City they were winning two nil four four shots. Um, altogether and 16 shots faced and only had 29% possession if you're not telling me that's Mourinho parked the bus mode where he got those re- results and grinded them out um, I don't know why he didn't do the same against uh, Tottenham where he's, he actually played a bit more dangerous and I, I, I disagree with what you're saying uh, Jeff about um, uh, you know safety first and they, they've been since under Arteta they've been p- trying to play out from the back um, I would say more successfully than unsuccessfully, and I would definitely say more unsuccessfully against the bigger teams. They've yeah. been very suspect against the bigger teams on a higher press. That know what they're doing. Do you know what I mean? They yeah. know what they're pressing. They know what kind of ball that they're going to play next because it's all been um, it's all been thought out. It, it, there's only so many triangles, like Mourinho says. Um, Arteta was trying to play with triangles at the back on his wings and it didn't work I don't know if you saw Bellerin he was all out, you know, out of his position all Dog game shite yeah he, he was, was shit terrible, he was shit and I, throws. The, the, the Arsenal fans have every right to be angry at him and I, I, to be honest with you I, I was watching the game and I was thinking flipping hell like I would not want to see my um, my fullbacks being out of position like that, but I, ha- I have a feeling that it was part of Arteta's plan, part of the triangles that they try and do in terms of how they distribute the ball from the back and trying to um, you know progress forward with possession a bit more articulate into a bit more uh, what you call it well articulate what he wants to do in terms of uh, how his uh, philosophy that, is. I don't, I don't think that's how he wants to play at all. You have to look at the t- like uh, where Arteta learned who he uh, assisted. 
and where he really learned his trade as a coach. Uh, yeah, yeah and Pep was all about triangles. He was, but I'm saying, I'm, <laughs> I'm going back to what you're saying about him. Why didn't he play like Mourinho? Why doesn't he sit back? Why doesn't he play to his strengths? Yeah, he probably did that at the start of his uh, tenure at Arsenal. But if you ask him, is that how you want to play going forward? He'll, he'll tell you absolutely no, because it's just not within, like I don't want to say his DNA, but like it's just not what he's planning to do you can tell he comes from that school of football that plays beautiful possession football and he doesn't want to play like Mourinho he wants to do his own thing and break away from Guardiola but also in a unique way but the thing is it's not just that he came from an Arsenal Wenger side as well that's that's a team which he's captain to FA Cups in multiple FA Cups that's how he was brought at the end of his you know 10 years a player just to play nice, beautiful, attractive football. Yeah. Um, that's that's what he wants. No, but that's what I'm saying. It's, exactly. it's just not working. Exactly. You know, the players which he's got, shite. You know, they've got no heart. Um, whereas Aubameyang signed, signed his contract. He's he's probably chilling Meza Urza right now, playing some Fortnite. I don't know, man. But Yeah, he looks like a shadow of his former self just a few months ago. I don't man, really understand it, to be honest. I, I mean, two I, of the highest paid players in in the Premier League, not playing. Do you know what no, I mean? Aubameyang is playing. He's just well, playing I mean, well. yeah, like obviously, yeah, but considering what you've mentioned before about you disagree with me when i said about arteta safety first i can actually i kind of agree with your disagreement of my point because it feels like arsenal almost exist in a contradiction at the moment because they love playing out from the back which has an inherent risk but at the same time they don't do anything creativity wise they don't seem to be creating overloads in the manner that you see with manchester city and liverpool and bayern they don't seem to be trying to cut through people on a counter-attack Obama Young has gone from one of the deadliest strikers to the most invisible on a combination of maybe his lack of effort and also a lack of chances created for him. Yeah. Um, so I just I feel like when I'm watching Arteta, I think that his inexperience is showing right now. When when a manager is good or bad, uh, but um, you know that can happen. But one thing that you can always separate between an experienced manager and an ex- inexperienced manager, the experienced manager always knows what he wants to do. His ideas are always solid, and he gets that across to his players. Arteta right now we're still trying to figure this, uh, things out and I think it's coming at a cost to Arsenal's uh, domestic season at least. Um, if they actually salvage anything out of the season I'd be very impressed. But you see he he's actually outwitted people uh, outwitted the um, big teams last season and he did work very well like uh, considering uh, yeah okay overall he, w- he wasn't doing that well in terms of just the general you know plethora of games that were coming through but in certain matches against the big teams against obviously Man United where they won Chelsea as well 2-1 what are you on August. about like, was, that game was dead like that Man United game was dead it was it's dead but the, it's winning yeah what a penalty the only like, probably Aubameyang scored like, are you joking me bro like, like don't don't, so, don't paper over the cracks man like that's taking a piss well, the, well, okay. So like, this is the like this is the argument shy, about Coleman, Arsenal right? Shy, this, this, really is the, this is the like, argument about Coleman. So Coleman look, look, is playing good football, but Coleman. the results aren't coming in at the time. And you could you could imagine that he would be under a lot more pressure against if they lost against one of their rivals or one of their you know rivals that you would consider for the top two places of the league. He would be under a lot more pressure. Whereas um, Arteta is a bit hot and cold in terms of. He's actually winning more matches against the top six than he is against the rest of the. Okay, the okay. In the top six, who's he beaten this season? Well, okay. This no, 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 no. This no, no, season, so you tell me who he's. This season, he's not doing very well. Has he beaten Liverpool? No, has he been? No, no. So this season, he's not doing very well. This is what I'm saying. Okay, yeah. he's changed no, 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 a lot Ali, of what he's Ali, saying. Look, he's, his point still is a fair one because you can't just discard um, last, last season, season. Given we're only ten no, games. No, no. But my point here is, didn't Unai Emery have this like beautiful honeymoon period of twenty games undefeated and bam? No, but you know, there is one. There is one difference between Emery and Arteta, though, is that. Emery's an experienced manager, so you've got a whole catalogue of seasons to judge him on, whereas this was Arteta's first exposure to yes. us. 
So yeah. you, when you look at last season, you look at what Arteta was doing. Now we're trying to understand who this manager is. So you're seeing a contrast in his fortunes, but mm. are we seeing a contrast in his approaches? I think I, I don't think we are to be honest, and I think Dowd's right. He's he's set he's a couple of his setups last season surprised the bigger teams, and he, yeah. he got an NFA Cup out of it. So now is this just maybe he's a rough patch and? Is faith with Arteta the way forward, or should they start questioning his position as Arsenal manager? No, as a, as a manager, he's going to be great, but he was a coach first. You know what I mean? He was out putting cones out. That's what he was so doing. So, what do you mean by he's going to be great? Like, what, give like, him more time? He'll, he'll need time, yeah, but he needs the right players as well. What about if he needs time and ultimately they, you know, like, I'm not, I'm not saying relegated. to sack the guy, but like, if I was an Arsenal fan, I'd be pretty pissed. Would yeah. you be pissed? So are you well, you're a Manchester United fan, do, so it doesn't really matter. So, let's, so. Are, you, are you saying that maybe it could be a Sir Alex Ferguson type of thing first season? No, no, no. That era is long gone. <laughs> Look, we yeah. all know that. No, so that, this that is the thing. Gone. How far? Because he's 50, uh, 14th or 15th. Do you know what I mean? Like, what, how far can he go? Yeah, but I look look how tight still, the league is right yeah, now. It's Does it a bit early? It I is think, a bit early, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to just be the devil's advocate. With Arteta, yeah. with Arteta I think um, the Arsenal board see potential and they see that he managed to, um, for, for for the first few months he was at the club as well, that toxicity that was you know cultivated at the club, you know, Arsenal fan TV becoming a meme, the club, the club you know, in official quote-unquote banter era. He did manage to quell it at first. Like A lot of the fans got behind him. And the club looked like it was on the up, especially with the results coming in. So I think the f- the owners won't discard that at all. Until maybe European qualification isn't mathematically possible, I doubt they'll get rid of him. Especially like with the dearth of options out there. Like, who would who really mm. would come in and fill his shoes straight away or even do a better job straight away? Like like there are coaches there, but would they want to come to Arsenal? Like, that's, that's like what England was like a couple of years ago. I think Arsenal's different to a club if, like If uh, Ozil can get a 350k a week no, 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 yeah. I'm, contract, I'm, I'm talk, no, I'm, <laughs> they could. No, but I'm talking about, right... <laughs> Thomas Tuchel might get sacked. We don't know what's going on with PSG. Can can he come to Arsenal or can someone like the yeah, Allegri, the I, former I Juve think, coach? I think, I think it's they what I'm trying to say. But because the pull of Arsenal, you know, the legendary status within the Premier League and their financial backing, it's not a similar situation to where Rafa left Newcastle and it's like, well, you know, no one as good as ever as good as him is ever going to take that position. Whereas yeah. Arsenal, you know, they won an FA Cup literally last season. They're not exactly a small no, club. No, but I don't want to say it's disrespect. Arsenal, not Newcastle. You know, that's um, what I'm saying. Yeah. Though. That's my but point. But I don't, I don't, I don't think um, Allegri or um, Thomas Tuchel. Tuchel, yeah, Tuchel would actually go at Arsenal. Like, ooh, do I want to be in that position? No. If the if the wage packet is good enough and the contract's long enough, yeah, I mean, Stan Clark is tight, man. He's yeah, he's tight. I mean, you know, he's tight, but he's got two of the highest paid. Two highest paid, yeah. All these discussions about the potential managers for Arsenal. And I just wanted to kind of go back to a point you mentioned before about you think Arteta will be great in the future. Yeah, eventually, yeah, I think he will be. There's a distinction between Arteta the manager and Arteta the coach, isn't there? Managerial Mm -hmm. skills come with experience and time. It's not just your tactical setup. Like I don't know if you guys spotted in the second goal. When Partey was injured and you wanted to come off the pitch and he was walking off, yeah, and um, Arteta pushed him back on. He literally physically forced him back onto the field to try and defend the counter attack. Yeah. I just feel like in that moment, uh, did you? And Partey pulled up after like maybe two jogs. Like he couldn't even. Yeah, it was, a, yeah. it was baffling, right? Do you know what it reminded yeah. me of? Sorry, do you know in like when you're playing FM and you have like a massive game coming up and your star players like got that orange injury <laughs> next to him and you yes. play him anyway and you think what could go wrong and immediately like as soon as you skip to the first highlight it's like oh he's injured it was honestly unbelievable <laughs> to watch the guy's walking off which to be fair I don't see why he was walking off as an injured player like shouldn't you just you know go down, down on the floor when yeah. the ball didn't play so I think there was fault on both sides there but now that he is walking off, it's a completely different situation. Arteta needs to look at that and be like, mate, like I'm injured. Why are you pushing your player back onto the pitch? Yeah, it's, definitely. It's, it's, it's I'll give you another example of this. Right. 
when Jose Mourinho was at Chelsea, um, that famous incident when Hazard was getting treatment and then, you know, uh, what you call it? Eva, 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 Eva yeah. yeah. She yeah. came on. Mourinho went fucking ballistic. You know what I mean? Yeah, That's did. an experienced coach. You yeah. know what I mean? Ar- Arteta was being a bit nice. Like, he tried to push him, but like he couldn't really do much. You know, yeah. Be- Hector Bellerin fucked up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he couldn't really do much afterwards. You want him running with a bad hammy or something? No, I, I think so. Him. That's I. I, th- I think what we're trying to get at is his managerial approach. We're slowly getting to see what he's like. Not obviously. Uh, it might have played a part in the goal or not. You know what I mean? If them losing whatever. But I think the part of is. Um, how what kind of decisions has he made as a manager uh, in his initial stint? One thing is with the Ozil omission. One thing could be the part uh, party um, push into the pitch. Other things that I feel like have already defined him. Where actually I don't think he's going in the right direction. And I think yeah. coaching wise, yes, but manager wise, I'm not sure. But yeah. apparently, Arteta didn't want party. He wanted Husam Awa from. Uh, I thought it was both. Leon. Yeah, 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 but, both but yeah, yeah, no, you wanted both, but you'd prefer. Some I want because you mm. need creativity. Well, he score needs goals. both, mate. Jacker is not gonna. <laughs> not no, no, no. But <laughs> if you want to pick one or the other, <laughs> don't know if you saw that. Yeah, but if you want to pick one or the other, is Awa who you wanted to eventually replace Ozil? That's what it was. I disagree. I don't think like Awa is in fits that profile of a player. He's not really. No, but that's what Arteta wanted. Magical key to unlock defenses. No, no, he isn't. But that's what Arteta wanted. That's what I'm saying. He didn't get the play which he wanted. But he got party instead, which is like, yeah, he's a great, he's a great player. But welcome but to the world, Arteta. Do you know what I mean? You're not you know going to get everybody. That's it. Yeah. And, and I think he should learn that, uh, especially going to Arsenal. He's a player himself. There, he probably heard Wenger, you know, going off the roof with half the signings that he wanted to make. Do you know what I mean? The signings he made initially. Um, for when Arsenal were, you know, doing as well as they were, were completely different to how how when he got to his uh, prime and what the types of players that they were signing at the time, or what Wenger was getting out of them. Spe- so he should know Wenger, some though. for some experience. Put some credit on Wenger's name. No, speaking of Wenger, what do you guys make of the rumours that um, they might be bringing him back? I would actually love to have him back in the Premier League. I miss that French accent. Uh, I just love the long coat, day, man. I just yeah. love the long coat, man. I just want to see that. <laughs> I don't uh, think it would be a good move, but pardon me. Imagine, miss- imagine North London derby Wenger versus Mourinho. Fucking hell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now I really want him As back. if uh, Wenger hadn't had enough beatdowns from Mourinho, he wants one more. Uh, I mean, I, I would like it in this, uh, you know, the Premier League soap opera. It would be a nice chapter. It would be a nice story. But I think from a footballing standpoint, it's it, that ship has sailed. Like he's and uh, and I think Wenger had kind of outlined him for himself by taking that FIFA role uh, rather than taking another managerial role. Because he's, he's been out of a managerial job for a while now. If, yeah. really, if he was keen on management, it's three years, not that yeah, long. If he was keen on management, he would have secured something by now. He's. His reputation is high enough that a team would have oh, wanted yeah. him. And he could have think, said, yes, I don't think I'll he does there. want to come back, but I don't think yeah. it'll be too late for him to come back. He doesn't strike me as the type of manager that would come out there, you know. Yeah, I mean, I did want to touch on a different aspect of the game. Mm-hmm. And uh, we kind of alluded to at the very beginning when we talked about the tactical approaches. Now, it's not just about the North London derby. I just want to get your takes on tactics in general. When, when you see a team coming with just the intention of parking the bus, being difficult to beat, frustrate you and just catch you on the counter... As the opposing side, what is you? What is the best thing for you to do? Do you just keep attacking and attacking and trying to find breakdowns, or is there a is there maybe an element of the game where you're like, okay, I'll give them a little bit of possession, see what they can do, and try and draw them out? Is this where how Arsenal had the most amount of crosses in any league match ever? Yeah. Basically, they had an onslaught of crosses. <laughs> 40, Nothing worked. Forty odd crosses. Was it forty seven? I mean, the most dangerous. ever. Um, and I mean Tottenham. Did very well um, in defending all of them, but I don't know there if was Arsenal. Shit crosses, that's why you well, see what Bellerin was. To be like. honest, but this is the thing. Do you think they do that many crossing um, uh, in, training. In, in training to look? Even be they don't effective? have. They don't have. I don't know why they're doing that because they don't have Giroud. They have Aubameyang, a totally different striker. 
Yeah. And like I said, two And they don't even have like a plan B big striker off the bench either. No, yeah, they it's don't. A, so it's a difficult question. Like I think if we knew, if we all knew the answer, we'd be uh, paid a lot better. So you're telling but me that when I'm playing football manager and I win the league and all those little achievements pop up uh, from Steam at the end no, of the season, those are hard-earned titles, man. Yeah. You so basically, you want me you to tell you, 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 want me to tell you how to win your FM games? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. basically, I think um, it's it's if it's working for your team. I think that's what he should have carried on, mm. and especially with against the big teams, how he's played previously, he should have just done Mourinho ball against Mourinho and see how it went. The worst that could have happened would have been a stalemate, a nil-nil, and that would have been a respectable way for him to build upon that yeah. uh, and get his players to where they are. He's still got a y- lot of young players that he's he's trying to um, nurture into the first team. They they're not they're not Premier League. Yeah, first team you, players you keep saying yeah. that but I'm telling you I really highly doubt Oteta wants to play football that way he's trying to and failing uh, like building an identity at the club and he wants to be you know uh, I don't want to say copy Guardiola but emulate him he clearly wants to go for that possession style so football so him playing Mourinho ball probably he's not what he well, wants of all, of all the things that we've been discussing about Oteta so far my biggest worry for him is the very Moisean obsession he's got with crossing when he was talking about how it's all maths and the more crosses he puts in, they'll get a success rate out of that. <laughs> Arteta, oh, I, I respect and rate you as a manager so far because I'm impressed. But when you started talking about that, I'm getting Moyes Man United flashbacks. Yeah. And I don't think that's good for anyone. No, it's not. It's not. And it it's just not good m- for you as a doubt. No, but look, you're, <laughs> Ali, you're, you're a Liverpool fan. That's probably one of the most crossing teams I've seen in the Premier League. You guys just spam crosses. Yeah. Yeah. You guys don't have a target, man. So how, how does it work in Liverpool where it doesn't work yeah. for us? We have quality fullbacks. Awesome. No, no, no. The, the quality fullbacks. You, but you, the quality fullbacks put the crosses in. But how do you get the end product? No, no. Because you, you guys have got three up front. Yeah, they're not tall. They're, they're not renowned for their heading. But they, they always they get something they out of it. They don't need to be tall. If you watch, if you watch the game on Sunday, it was with Wolves. It, w- it wasn't a cross, but. Um, Henderson whipped the ball in and Cody made a mistake so I capitalised. It's all about capitalising on opportunities sometimes as well. My point wasn't even about the target man in the box. My point was about the How numbers did Liverpool game. Get those? The numbers game yeah. that Arteta talks about. If you look it's at it, every time I watch Liverpool game, without a shadow of a doubt, like, there is at least 20 crosses per game coming in left and right from Robertson and Trent Alexander-Arnold. What is it that uh, makes the difference between is it just the quality fullbacks? Is he saying? Is it just the, the quality? No, no, not just the quality fullbacks. Like there's have there's like training done on the pitch. Out, out of twenty of them, ten of them are very effective, and then that hopefully increases your chances statistically. But we don't want to think of it like that. Whereas forty-seven of those crosses, I think only two of them had any chance of hitting the target. Mm. One was the Lacazette one, which was even. To be honest with you, wasn't even much of a chance for how far he was outside yeah. of the the six-yard box. It wasn't a chance. No, but what I'm trying to uh, like. I, trying to say I guess and Paulie is that has the style of play that Oteta has talked about like been ridiculed and it's been exacerbated because he tried that against the perfect team to counter it in Tottenham it'll be interesting to see when Liverpool mm. come up against Tottenham well he, he mentioned the crossing thing yeah I can't wait for coming soon yeah. he mentioned the crossing thing uh, the game before it was against Wolves no so I understand I understand but Wolves again is a team that sits back yeah. so um, my point is you know, what if that ends up working down yeah. the line and he ends up being vindicated? You never know, because yeah. a lot of the top teams, even look at Real Madrid when they were winning the Champions League back-to-back, their style of play was somewhat similar. Crosses, crosses, crosses. True, That's but, true. but the amount of crosses that they got, sheer, the sheer amount they got was purely because Tottenham invited it. Well, actually, I've had an interesting thought on that. Have Liverpool and Tottenham played each other yet? No, not yet. No, they can play now, soon. Now, I that's going to be very game. interesting because we're talking about that Liverpool seem to have this difference where their crosses work whereas other teams it just seems like something to kind of make memes out of 
when Liverpool play Tottenham, I would love to see Tottenham set up in the exact same way as the North London derby. And I'm going to look out for the distinctions between the Liverpool crossing and the Liverpool movement in attack. And I think that's going to be quite an yeah. interesting and, and by the uh, way, thing to look out for. I think uh, I don't want to talk about the Liverpool Wolves game too much, but that game, uh, I watched it, and it just told me one thing, man: Liverpool's winning the league. <laughs> they, have, they have so many injuries, and they still look un unfaulted. They don't look like they're faced by it at all. What what is this mentality that Cl- like Klopp has put in this team? And honestly, I thought we'd see them like uh, have some capitulate, f- f- capitulate a bit, have some funny results. But every time I check the score, Liverpool won, Liverpool won. Like they ma- they managed to weather that storm so well. I don't understand. Yeah, I, think I think they're in, class above everyone. In Wolves, they came across a side who've just lost their star striker, and they're trying to uh, reconfigure things. Um, Still four so nil. They made it look so casual. Yeah. With their injuries. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, they did. They going, going back to Arsenal. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Right, so how did you feel with the actual team which Artaia sat with? Like, ah, was it a good like, team? Could you have done something different? Do you mean the lineup? Yeah, the, ho- the, ho- the starting line, basically. Uh, well, after watching his performance, I would say maybe substituting Bellerin out for a Cedric might have... Yeah, might have C- Cedric did yeah. well in the Europe League game, so why not yeah. put him in? He's... He's positionally better. I don't actually hate uh, Bellerin, and I think he's copping a lot of flack for obviously playing so badly. But I think also you've got to keep faith with your players sometimes. That's what I think managers do. They're like, if you perform badly a couple of times, it's not the end of the career for you. I'm going to show my faith in you. Yeah, see what happened with Klopp and Karius? Yeah, (laughs) but I think think we're taking away that, uh, the point that Tottenham played really well and the finishes were amazing. Son's finish. Did you see um, beautiful Hoiberg's uh, reaction? <laughs> it was hilarious. Like even he was shocked how good of a finish it was. And you know, it's it from what I understood is I seen Son players. He's very comfortable at this moment in time playing with Kane. And to pick a goal out like that, it it's like playing Sunday League. It's like you know playing against p- players that are a uh, division below you. He's coolly slotted it in into the top corner, and the way that Kane uh, smashed the ball. That's a season striker. He knows nobody can save that. Now, he just needs to hit the underside of the bar. No yeah. keeper in this world can save that. Was Pepe injured for that game? Uh, he's uh, suspended, suspended from the... All right, because uh, I was going to say... Yeah. Man likes a headbutt like a woman. Yeah. Do you know what I remember? Oh, of course, yeah. Because yeah. Willian was tragic. Like, uh, I don't understand. You didn't have a bad him. game. It just wasn't great. No, That's I, it. I really don't like Willian, to be honest. I think what the, What's your beef with Willian? I just think he's an absolutely... Uh, it, like, he's his it, the amount of times it takes him... Like the amount of chances he needs to do something, he's very. In- I don't like think he's great, but I just he's want very inefficient. Beef. Is what I'm trying to say. Okay. It took me a while to find the word, but he's a very inefficient. He's trying to get past the player as a like winger. He just takes ages to do anything. Half the time he just turns back, or he d- did he dies on the ball, or he puts in an absolutely crap delivery for Shall a winger. I, shall I tell you who's put some decent deliveries in? Kieran Tierney. Oh yeah, he he's yeah. been really he's good at signing for them. Yeah, he's a good. One. Remember when Arsenal fans thought he was the best left back in the league? Though? <laughs> forgot about Andy Robertson. You ever Scott? <laughs> no, they forgot about uh, Jamal Lewis, man. I mean, so you talk about in the end that uh, it's a victory for Mourinho. We'll see in developing weeks how it goes for us and Tottenham. Um, and when you're mentioning the fantastic goals of Son and Kane there, Dowd, I want to talk about how fantastic goals can often be followed by fantastic celebrations. So, you know, just thought a little bit of a light-hearted segment next. Um, can you guys tell me some of the more memorable goal celebrations you've seen and that you've enjoyed over the years? Right, I have three in three different categories. Um, the most iconic one, the most arrogant one, and the craziest one. So the most iconic one is Alan Shearer just putting his hand up going, way! Yeah. Right, everyone remembers that. Um, and also, if you're, times, if you're yeah. born and raised in Newcastle and you're a Geordie, there's not a single time in your life where you haven't volleyed a chewing gum and shouted, Shearer, as you yeah. Yeah. put your hands up. You know? That's it, man. That's you know, one. That's the first thing came to my mind. Um, the second one was in 2016, uh, it was a Madrid derby. 
and Ronaldo scored two amazing goals. He just paused in front of the cameras like I reckon twenty years. But I can't, he, he kind of does it, you know. It, it was it was class. Wait, was that the Kalma celebration or was that uh, um, a different one? No, he just. Oh, I know the one. Yeah, do you know what I'm on about? It was in 2016. He just stares at the camera. Yeah, down and he just and he's paused. Like, what do you expect? You know what I mean? Like just absolute. <laughs> like, like, absolute like you know what I'm on about yeah, now? Is it, yeah. Right, and the third one was in 2012. It was a Merseyside derby, and um, to lead up, David Moyes said, "Oh yeah, Luis Suarez is a diver." This and that. Luis Suarez scores scores a goal. Goes to David Moyes, dives in front of him. It was fucking yeah. class. They're fantastic. I mean, I love I love a good celebration with a story like when um, Phil Bosley and Rooney were boxing in the kitchen and that video got leaked. Yeah. And then he scored a goal a, f- a few matches later and he um, did the punches in the air and fell down. To be honest, I, I rate the way class. Rooney fell. The way Rooney fell, he didn't even break stride. No, no, he didn't. <laughs> he went full on for yeah. it, didn't he? Yeah, I, I, I would say that's, that's pretty yeah. much up there. But for me, it's... Um, I don't know if you guys remember, it's, it's a bit of a while, a while ago. Uh, it was uh, Hull City versus Man City. It was a 1-1 score. Uh, where Jimmy Bullard does the celebration that Phil Brown, uh, the manager at the time, do you remember where everybody's sitting down and Jimmy yeah, Bullard is like telling fo- everybody, yeah. wagging <laughs> his finger, everybody Because um, they were like 4-0 down or 5-0 down at half time. Yeah. And uh, that was, that, I remember that being so viral at the time because you've never seen a manager save the embarrassing team talk onto the pitch onto rather the than pitch. the dressing room. Yeah, I rate him for yeah. that, you know. I actually rate him for that. Yeah. I know it, it kind of puts your players at shame. Like it, it, a lot of managers want to protect the players, yeah. but I rate him. You know, sometimes you just need to like kick, kick, you know, kick everybody's ass and say, "Look, this is your fault." Like everybody's outside, um, and I just love that their reaction was that, yeah. uh, and I think it, it was it was perfect. I, I know they're a small club and everything, but you know, I just love those type of moments. Yeah. Um, I don't know more about you, Q. Well, for me, goal celebrations are tied too deeply to the goals that preceded them <laughs> so f- my favorite uh celebration is uh when teoti scored the fourth against arsenal to make oh. it 4-4 oh, oh, yeah. that bananas that that nuts. first of all you know r.i.p teoti man like, yeah. what, a, what a player man what a guy but when he you know when he sunk that volley in and ran across the pitch and all the players gathered and then the steve harper elbow where yeah he, who does he land on again i actually can't remember to be honest like, it could have been leon best it could yeah, have been it, it could have been danny simpson it could have been just class it was bedlam it was just one of the probably my that's an iconic yeah, my favorite man. moment from the Padre era and even though we finished fifth under him and the rest of it was let's not talk about but that was probably my favorite moment yeah of that. i mean an absolutely unreal the toyota celebration because i was in the stadium it, it's going to resonate with me for the rest of my life i don't think i've ever been a part of a better atmosphere not just in a football stadium context in any life context that was like the most hyped i've ever felt about anything and the fact that we didn't go on to win that game is still a travesty to me i still remember nolan's shot skidding just past just, the post yeah Oh. And I was thinking, you know, we could have got that. But yeah, I mean, that one's Those very are the moments that make you actually, actually yeah. fall in yeah. love yeah. with Another one so for much. me as well is, again, like the goals that precede the celebration like resonate with me. So, yeah, there's funny celebrations in the past, you know, the Jim Bolland one, but they're not my favourite because, like, the the context matters. And, you know, you mentioned the Ronaldo and the Clasico. My other one was uh, the Messi celebration. Yeah, that's iconic, man. Like people can remember that for years. He also um, he took a battering in that game because I'm pretty sure he got elbowed and his lip was bleeding at one point. Yeah. And he he just he looked so badass when he was doing that. I mean, yeah. one thing that Messi's always been he's not been the cool guy. I think that's probably the most badass he's ever looked on yeah, a football definitely. pitch. And I urge everyone to go back and watch the uh, Ray Hudson commentary for that goal. <laughs> if you want a bit of comic relief. <laughs> oh my <laughs> God, man. Absolutely. That guy. Best commentator of all time, man. Hands yeah. down. Yeah, I mean, I it would be the one on the one Jody Public figure would have to be absolute nuts, wouldn't he, in a, in a commentary position. In La Liga as well, what the hell? I did want to talk about the consequences of a, of a goal celebration very quickly. Does everyone remember the Robbie Fowler uh, sniffing <laughs> the line? I remember oh, that yeah. one, all right. <laughs> 
Oh, I mean, imagine, against Chelsea, if you don't remember. No, I don't imagine remember. Imagine he yeah. did that in this day and age, man. I mean, obviously, it was still a headline news at the time, but... He was uh, just sniffing the grass, you know, just seeing if it was all right, that's all. <laughs> good, good groundsman, Robbie Fowler. I'll tell you another, full-time footballer, full-time groundsman. I'll tell you another iconic Liverpool one. It was Liverpool versus Man United. Jared Gores kisses the camera. was like, yeah. Well, did it twice. But speaking of uh, celebrations that ended up landing the player in hot water, do you remember uh, Bentner when he celebrates and he shows his boxes with the, uh, was it Bet3, Paddy Power? One of the gambling. Yeah, uh, one yeah, of the gambling. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was Paddy Power. We, we do not condone game. gambling, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I think he got fined £80,000 and it's always been used as a frame of reference for when uh, fines for racism are much less than that. Yeah. And it kind of highlights the hypocrisy wow, of your wafer. really? Yeah. Oh. Um, another one, just to go back to the celebrations, another consequence of a celebration that happened about two years ago. Now, I don't know if anyone's familiar with the Hamburg striker Nikolai Muller. No, no, I don't think. I now, don't he scored no. a nice goal. To, uh, I think it was like a winner towards the end of the game. What he decided to do was, I'm going to run towards the corner. And usually players, you know, have their arms held out in an airplane type of stance. He decided, I'm going to do the airplane and the helicopter at the same time. So, <laughs> if you oh, imagine wow. if you imagine the Angel of the North statue rotating on an axis, <laughs> that was that was Nikolai Muller. He ended up going like this, round and round. What he ended up doing was falling over the sideboard, tearing his ACL, oh. being out for the oh, season. Fuck's and Hamburg the fuck? uh, And Hamburg, without their star striker, got relegated. So, wow. is that the most consequential goal celebration of all time I, 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 I'll be struggling to find one I, that I've not had anything the <laughs> second hand <laughs> embarrassment I'm feeling I haven't yeah. even yeah. seen this one that is that's awesome. crazy I'm gonna check this after that yeah. Nikolai Muller celebrating tearing his ACL and screwing his team in the process <laughs> but which one's yours I don't think you mentioned which yeah. one's your favourite uh, was it your favourite well? no no I, well uh, Ali stole my thunder kind of because how could it not be the Shearer Yes, yeah. it's boring. Yes, it's simplistic. But it's the man who represents Newcastle. It's the player that we, uh, you know, every Newcastle fan idolizes growing up. Just doing it again and again. I think two hundred and six times in the black and white shirt. It's just that that to me is the favorite. Yeah. yeah. If I had to pick the a mo- favorite, the, mo- the most like, memed one. Uh, sorry, after you. Sorry, a, a favorite that isn't tied to an emotional connection to a player. You know what? I, I miss a good chest slide celebration. <laughs> Where's all the players on a muddy? Uh, Robin did that and sliding? he failed really badly. Robert, yeah. are you talking about a knee slide though? Yeah, the knee slide. Knee. I'm talking about the chest slide. But yeah, the, the, the knee. <laughs> <laughs> they're different, aren't they? I'm not, yeah, I don't know what type no, of chest you, slide. Oh, when you just go, go you, like four on your chest. Just, yeah, yeah. You, just, <laughs> you fling yourself towards the ground, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. No, sorry, you were going to say that. So the most mean one for me is um, Why Always Me. Uh, Balotelli. Balotelli. Oh, yeah, classic. That was a classic. He's got the Euro well. ones class as well. Yeah. He just like, takes us off like yeah. I'm Balotelli. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's flexing. So badass. And then Ronaldo comes in and just makes him look like. Oh, there's so nothing. many class celebrations. <laughs> Special mention to uh, Richie and his uh, absolute hatred towards corner flags as well. Oh yeah. When <laughs> it, no, what are you talking about? Tim Cahill, man. He, no, this guy still. Them. This Mate, guy's even, still boxing with them. Yeah, man, he boxes in like day. a casual way, like a you know, like a dad well, playing play fighting with his son. But Richie comes in there like the abusive alcoholic dad. Man, <laughs> absolutely leathers. The there's a brilliant uh, video on Twitter or YouTube wherever you search for it, where Richie kicks the corner flag directly into a Newcastle fan's ball. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> I see that. That's crazy. <laughs> oh, hilarious. And the, it's because it's fan recorded, and the guy who's recording is laughing so hysterically. It's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, one of the best. Contagious oh, laughter uh, video, you know, it's really, I would definitely recommend it. One of the other iconic ones, this was way before we were born, is uh, Roger Muller, you know, the little dance he does in yeah. the World Cup. Oh, yeah, that, that's Cup, an iconic yeah. one as well. You know what? Shout out to Roger Muller and shout out to all the African teams in international tournaments. I absolutely love those choreographed dance celebrations that they do. Like, everyone remembers the Shabalala goal yeah. for the commentary, for the goal itself. Yes. But also the little routine they did with the dancing and the steering. Yeah, just, yeah, it's very infectious. You can do that in FIFA, actually. You know, Fer- Ferdinand, <laughs> yeah. Ferdinand did one in the uh, 2002 World Cup, which just didn't go. Uh, tell everyone to check that well, out. I don't know. Where if he you... did something with his hands? 
I think it was last month or two months ago when Everton scored a goal and then a bunch of their players went to the corner and it was like James, Mina oh, man, no. and they were Cringing. doing the celebrations already. and obviously oh. we're talking about African teams in terms of their flair and the style of dancing uh, Coleman went over and just didn't know what to do like he looked like the most awkward <laughs> kid. has everyone seen the gif of all the kids who woke up to the camera and start dab- uh, dabbing and then yeah. the white kid at the end just does this like he just yeah. kind of squares his arms together I felt like Coleman was like in the most awkward situation oh, for man. himself he just didn't know what to do the worst uh, celebration I'm going to say is uh, I'm going to say Jesse Lingard's jailings. I'm not oh. going to lie. I'm not a fan. Like I uh, find it hilarious when he does the Emirates. So yeah, I don't know. He does the Emirates' his own know, stadium. Even, even though he's, he's, he's a player of United, I just I don't like it. Isn't he alumni of Dab University though, man? How can <laughs> he? <laughs> oh, he opened I a Dab University. Is he doing a Trump? <laughs> with a Trump University. I believe he founded the school. <laughs> oh, whatever. Alumni founder, it's all embarrassing. Yeah. But you know, also special mention to Gutierrez's Spider-Man mask as well. Yeah, I was thinking about that before Which, as well. I mean, the Premier League got killjoys because they didn't allow him to um, wear it too often. I think he had to actually don it just in the championship. I think uh, Peter Parker officially complained. That's what. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I mean, the most iconic Gutierrez celebration was when he scored in the final oh, day. Oh yes. The yeah, story was, of that, beating I was cancer. Mention that one with the Dodging Carver, who's the worst manager of all time. <laughs> he, he's <laughs> assistant manager of Scotland. You know, he's gonna make it to the Euros. No wonder they're so successful. Um, <laughs> But is he is he the best? He's definitely probably the best manager in Scotland, isn't he? I mean, Neil Lennon is what you want. Stephen Gerrard, mate. Well, like, <laughs> are, you, are, you, are you kidding me? Like, put some respect on Neil, like, Len- Neil Lennon's name. All I'm saying is, like, I know you guys he, saw him in a restaurant, and he's probably still, you know, lurking around the northeast. If uh, if he wants to come on the podcast, I wouldn't mind. Wh- which player is this? Who did we see in Carver? Carver, man. Oh yeah. Uh, what was the restaurant again? Uh, was it Lizette? Dab- no, da- Dabawala. Oh, Dabawala. Oh, yeah. Guy likes the chicken onions and a bee, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Very uh, underwhelming experience. Yeah. We're not gonna. We're not a restaurant podcast by any stretch, but uh, I didn't really enjoy. I my disagree. Time. I think if any, it's on Grey <laughs> Street. If anyone's up in the tune, you know, after the after we're no longer tier three, if you fancy some nice Indian street food, you know. yeah, not yeah. that they're paying us for to this honest, promotion, but. I would love to right. just go to any restaurant now. I just miss the idea of a Friday night going with the mates to a restaurant. Yeah, I'm going to cheeky done a kebab after this. <laughs> yeah, and Nando's takeout is not the same as Nando's. No, nah, it isn't. I was thinking uh, about that a couple of days ago. Yeah, it's not. Just drive down to a tier two area, man. There's no rules. True, true. I'm just very quickly, two. actually, mentioning about tier two areas. We saw over the weekend, uh, fans were back. 2,000 of them, at least. Yes. And uh, yeah, a lot of debate about creating unfair advantages. Where do you guys uh, land on that? Um, uh, it does give a... Um, unfair advantage. Um, the Donker for from Wolves did say it felt like it was more than two thousand at Anfield. Mm. So I don't know if that's Anfield the atmosphere or he just felt like that because uh, Wolves are just that crap. Don't gas yourself too much there. Man. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not, <laughs> no, I'm not saying that. But like some, like majority of the home teams did win. No, if no, you no, actually look. That's but that's obviously the tier two. Yeah. Thing. Except West Ham, obviously, it, got true, though, by it coincided with the fans uh, being in the stadium and their teams winning. Liverpool did it. Chelsea mm. did it. And. Um, well, West, Ham, West Ham didn't yeah. do it. I'd like to see yeah, the data behind it, yeah, definitely. West yeah, Ham maybe it was just great. a case of favourites. I did also love um, the numerous uh, different fans back in different stadiums all chanting, like, chanting at the away end that was empty. You know, your support is fucking shit. That was <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Never underestimate oh, the, the creative banter of uh, British support. Always brilliant. Obviously, top tier. Um, <laughs> the best one for me is when uh, Voldemort, uh, Voldemort, sorry, Shelby, <laughs> Shelby, <laughs> Shelby Shelby was called Voldemort. I remember it was like Harry Potter. He's coming for you. <laughs> I actually wanted to say Voldemort. I just said the uh, wrong word first. You guys, if you have more Harry Potter, go watch it. Yeah. I was just trying to remember when he played for the two. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the Dark Lord will reappear. Experience. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, but the Mourinho's dark arts are just taking a whole new level, man. <laughs> what the heck, man? Nah, on, this man. was a, a lot of fun, lads. And yeah. uh, as always, Dawood, please wrap up with the promotions. Yes, so you c- um, I've been I've been saying that um, our website's still a bit uh, down uh, with technical reasons. And unfortunately, it is at the moment. Um, ho- well, I am mean, hoping that it'll be on soon enough. Uh, we'll, we've got a lot of articles in the Holden Bay just to be released, hopefully. So... Um, apart from that, it's the dressing room uh, on uh, the U- YouTube channel is the dressing room. Instagram is the dre- um, TD Room Nine, um, and we've got TD Room Nine for Twitter and on we'll, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. So yeah, thank you. Brilliant lads, it's been a lot of fun. Cheers, thank you. Take care.